We've been in this series now for all summer long. Has everybody enjoyed this series so far, if you've been here? Good, it's called Spirit Wars, Winning the Invisible Battle Against Sin and the Enemy. And uh, we've been doing this, we've got, we've got, after this one, we have two more left. Um, next week, uh, Pastor Steve will be preaching about generational curses, what that means. And then after that, Pastor, Lou, uh, Pastor uh, Mario will be preaching um, about for the love of God is what it's called. And those are the last two left in our series. And then we'll be firing off another one um, coming up here in September. Um, so I'm really, really excited about all of this. I've enjoyed myself talking about this. I hope you've been catching our Tuesday night classes online. Um, if you haven't, we're going to archive those and make sure that if you want to go back through this, a little bit more in-depth study of what happens here on Sunday night. So um, <clears throat> you can catch that. We're going to archive that. We're going to put it on our Disciple You page so that way you can watch it at your own time and your own leisure. But this wouldn't be a good series if we didn't talk about casting out demons. Oh, my goodness. Ooh. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. Um, it wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be called spirit wars if we didn't actually talk about spirits, right? And Because uh, they are alive, amen? amen? How many believe that this morning? That there are spiritual entities that are out in force to hinder you, to destroy you, to distract you, and to cause havoc in your lives. <clears throat> but let me first say this, that the supernatural is real, amen? And the demonic realm is real as well. It's not just something we see on TV or movies. I remember growing up, I used to watch this movie when I was 11 years old, which was a mistake. Actually, I was about eight. And uh, called, um, what's that one movie called? Yeah, The Exorcist, thank you. Who said that? You need to repent, girl. <laughs> I just messed with you. I just, I just messed with you. <laughs> uh, I'm teasing. Yes, I will pray for you. <laughs> so I used to watch that movie called The Exorcist, and, and, and the reality is this, is that, that demon possession, demonic forces, demons, the supernatural is just as real, if not more real, than what we see with our natural eye. Amen? The Bible says in John that the enemy is going around like a roaring lion, seeking who, may me, who he may devour. And plain and simple, angels and demons are real. Come on, somebody. Angels and demons are real. They are part of the unseen realm that we do not see. And demons are there to distract you. Someone say distract. distract. Devour you. Someone say devour. And ultimately de destroy you. Someone say destroy you. That is the footprint of the devil. So if you begin to see those activities happening in your life, there's a few reasons why some of those things happen. But we can always go back to demonic activity beginning to come against you in spiritual battle. Right, we are in a war. <laughs> if you like it or not, I'm not talking about political war, I'm not talking about any of that stuff, I'm talking about a spiritual war where the enemy is coming after you. But greater is he who is in me than he that is in this what? In this world. It's about Christ in you, the hope of glory. I remember the first time I cast out a demon now, now, I'm gonna share some things with you today and I need you to be a little bit open in your heart and your mind because maybe some of you have experienced this before. Maybe some of you haven't. Maybe some of you might think this is all just a bunch of fairy tales. I want you to know that it is absolutely not right. When I was 16 years old, I used to go around and travel and do services. Back then, I was even doing evangelism stuff. 
I went to this uh, city called Silver City, New Mexico. Does anybody know where that is? Yes, all right, Silver City, New Mexico. And um, I, I grew up in New Mexico and I remember going with my friend Victor um, and we used to, he used to do all the dramas. Back then we used to have a thing called human videos. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know? Where you like act out certain things to music, it's pretty cool. This blood's for you. And uh, so he would do those and I would do my rapping thing. Then at the end, we would have an altar call for people to get saved. And I remember we did this and here we are in front of a youth group. They invited us to come in. Here we are in front of a youth ministry in Silver City, New Mexico. We have the altar call. A gentleman, or a kid, better yet, he's my age, probably 15, 16 years old, comes up there and we're praying for people. Jesus, 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 Jesus. If you don't know that we are pretty um, expressive around here, if you didn't see that during worship, right? But we're Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And, and uh, I come up to this guy and his face is a whole different color. It's beet red, right? And he's, he's growling at me <laughs> like that, like a little dog, right? And uh, his mouth is full of just... I don't want to say foam, but I don't want to over-exaggerate this. There's no reason to over-exaggerate something if it's true, right? And so <clears throat> it's just full of spit, and he's uh, uh, doing one of those things. And being 16, I didn't know what to do. I knew this was different, okay? <laughs> I knew something was going on. And, uh, you know, 16 years old, I didn't go through demon casting out school, okay? And so I didn't know what to do. So I did the next best thing that I knew how to do. I grabbed my Bible because I had it with me, I was praying, and I went, in Jesus' name. And I went, boom, and I smacked that guy <laughs> across the chest, pow, and I'm no joke, full force, right? 16-year-old Jake, who thought he was the strongest man alive, okay, just hauled off and hit him, boom, I mean, just hit him across the chest with my Bible. And, and no joke, he flew about four feet back, Whoa. Kind of like the Matrix, you know, just do, 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 do. Everything was happening in slow motion. And, and he fell to the floor. He began to convulse and began to manifest. As now that I know what that's called, he began to manifest this demon. Now, back then, okay, back in the day, you didn't cast out a demon without yelling, right? Come out, my friend, is what we would say. <laughs> you like that, Keith, don't you? <laughs> Ah, and then all these people started jumping on him, you know, and it caused this big scene. It's just, it was just, it was, it was crazy. But at that time, I was like, ooh, I saw this in The Exorcist. Game on, baby. Let's go. Right? I got in there. Come on, you did it. You know? <laughs> the louder you are, the more holier you are, right? The more powerful and anointed you are. <laughs> It was pretty crazy. Fast forward now to old Jacob. <laughs> At 46 years old, you, you learn a thing or two. And you have to ask yourself the question, how do people actually get free? And just as important, how do they stay free? So I wanna pack this idea to you this morning. If you can, if you are taking notes, uh, now's a great time to take out your notepads and in iPhones and whatever you're gonna do because we're gonna talk about a couple of things here that will require you to remember a little bit what we're talking about. 
Because as much as dramatic as it is to jump on somebody and yell and throw holy water on them, right? That doesn't do anything. (laughs) Because true faith rests on quiet shoulders. It's about confidence in Christ, knowing the authority that you carry with inside of you. You know, knowing that there is no legal right for the enemy to come and and, and destroy anybody's life and possess them. And we have the authority within us because of Christ on the cross, because of what he accomplished for us. Not because of what you do, not because of how much you do of what you do, but because of him and him alone. We, you and I carry that authority to speak to the unseen realm and begin, to do, and begin to partner with Jesus on what he wants. Do you really think that Jesus wants that person possessed with the demon? Absolutely not, right? These, these, aren't, these aren't just things that we read in the Bible, just stories that we glean off of. This is actual true life that still happens today. There is more people being involved in witchcraft and the occult in today's world than there has been ever. Why is that? Why is that? Well, because it happens from the top down. Leadership always happens from the top down. And when the gates are open from the top, anything happens within our country and our nation. It's the reason why that we're founded, this isn't in my notes, but it's the reason why that you and I and this country was founded on Christian principles. Why? Because we believe that God owns this country. He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, right? And I don't know about you, but I'm gonna let some devil try to strip that identity away from our country. So let's unpack this idea of what it means to be captives and prisoners. So I've learned over these many years that the question about how people actually get free cannot be answered until we determine why they are bound. In Isaiah chapter 61, verse one, it says this. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners. Someone say captives. Someone say prisoners. Notice that Isaiah, this prophet, is describing two kinds of people behind bars. He's saying captives and prisoners. So prisoners are criminals whom a judge sentences to jail. It takes a court order from the judge to release spiritual prisoners. Captives, however, are people who have been imprisoned through lies and deception. It takes knowledge of the truth to set them free. And when we're working to free someone who is demonized, we must first determine if the person is a captive or a prisoner. There's a story in the Bible that talks about forgiveness. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 through 35, I'm gonna paraphrase this a little bit, so go along with me. In this story, Jesus is saying this parable, that the kingdom of heaven could be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. Anybody tracking with me? You know a story I'm talking about? One slave owed the king that would be like a million dollars today. The slave then begged for mercy and the king forgave all that he owed, amen? But the same slave, however, went to his fellow slave who owed him a small percentage relative to what he had owed the king and demanded repayment immediately. When the guy asked for mercy, the first slave refused and had him thrown into prison. When the king found out about it, he was extremely angry. He said, you wicked slave. I forgave you all of that debt because you pleaded with me. 
Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way, Jesus says in this story. And it's clear from this story that God insists and requires us to forgive. To forgive. If we don't choose forgiveness, it's almost as if God sets up these opportunities and circumstances to drive out unforgiveness, bitterness, and hate from our lives. God sets up these little roadblocks, if you will, in the course of our life to where we come, where we're forced to have face-to-face encounters where we have to forgive. Because if we choose not to forgive, what that does is it takes us away from the umbrella of God's protection. It takes us away from the umbrella in the shadow of his wings. It takes us from out of there and we actually put ourselves in place of God when we choose not to forgive. See, unforgiveness imprisons our souls and opens the door to evil spirits. And in my experience, unforgiveness is the number one reason why Christians are oppressed. Are oppressed. See, demonic spirits are subject to the laws of God's kingdom, amen? They know full well when someone's lifestyle of sin and unforgiveness has given access to that person and to their soul. Remember, your soul is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. And the power of the Spirit and the authority of Jesus Christ are required for someone to get free and stay free of demonic oppression. When we choose to live in a lifestyle of sin, I'm not talking about sinning. Oh, man, I made a mistake. I made a, right, I made a wrong decision today. Oh, man, I'm talking about a habitual lifestyle of sin. What we do when we choose unforgiveness and live in this lifestyle of sin is we take ourselves away and then that gives free access to the evil, evil ones and evil spirits to come and distract, remember, to devour and to destroy your life and your soul. Not because of, uh, of anything, but because of our own decisions to turn away from God and disobey him. See, trying to get a person delivered who might be demonically possessed or oppressed, who refuses to forgive or insists on holding on to a lifestyle of sin is a pointless waste of time. They have to choose forgiveness. They have to choose transparency because evil cannot hide in the light, amen? No matter what I do in this place, if we were to turn the lights off completely dark, if I had one light that would light up every area of darkness where I go to, because darkness cannot hide in the light. And when we allow God's light to come in and begin to shine upon our hearts, we begin to discover the things that maybe not necessarily are surrendered to God. And God wants us to surrender to him. Now, talking about forgiveness, not only do we need to forgive others, amen? We must also forgive ourselves. We have to forgive ourselves. So many times we're quick to forgive others, but not us. We're not quick to forgive ourselves. We actually convince ourselves that we are subject and worthy of punishment and shame while others can receive grace and mercy. Let me encourage you in something today. Forgiving others is our posture. 
It's how we should live in walking in forgiveness. Jesus was the perfect example of forgiveness because even while he was on the cross, what did he say? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus was a walking forgiveness bomb. <laughs> we have to live in that posture of forgiveness, but to truly love and forgive the way Christ forgives, we must love and forgive ourselves. The Bible says to love your neighbor as yourself. True, unconditional love and forgiveness can only come when you learn to love and forgive yourself. And let me tell you here this morning that there's no sin great enough that God can't cancel from your life. There's no lifestyle great enough that God can't eradicate from your, from your life and from your heart. Nothing. He already did it on the cross for us. All we have to do is come to him. Let me tell you, your addiction doesn't mean a thing to Jesus because he can take that away from you like that. He can do that. We try to, I'm not saying we don't go to counseling and we don't go to therapy. We don't do that kind of stuff. But what I'm saying is this. If we can do that on our own strength, then we don't need God. What I'm telling you this morning is come to Jesus. I don't know why I'm sharing this this morning. This might be for somebody here today. Come to Jesus. Give yourself to him and allow him to take that away from you. Remember one time we prayed for a girl. That was, this was back in Master's Commission days. She came to our building. And she was, I mean, just toasted. I mean, just high as a kite. What they would do in the inner city back in those days is that they would get cigarette and dip it in embalming fluid, let it dry, and then they would smoke that because that would cause their high to get, you know. Where they got embalming fluid, I have no idea, <laughs> right? So she came, we prayed for her, and it was instant the high left her. I mean, she was, and then it was instant when we prayed. God still works in instant miracles over your life. And I refuse to listen and I refuse to lower my standard to my experiences. Amen. We have to raise the standard of God's word and live what he says, that when you come to him, you are a new person. Amen? We have to surrender it all to him. So when talking about demon possession and oppression, so many people ask me this question. Can a Christian be demon-possessed? Have you guys ever thought about that before? Come on, be real, right? Can a Christian be demon-possessed? This would be another chance for you to take notes here this morning. So the Greek word for possessed, interesting enough, is the word echo. Is the word echo. In the context of demon-possession, it means to have or hold possession of the mind or to be closely joined to a person or a thing. The Greek word echo, this word possession, echo, is used in places like this in Luke chapter 8, verse 27. And this is what it says. When he came out unto the land, he was met by a man from the city who was possessed, who was echoing with demons, and who had, put on, who, who had not put on any clothing for a long time and was not living in a house but in the tombs. Let me just stop right there and say this, that this isn't just a story that we read. This actually happened. I've heard of stories like this, even in modern days, in recent times, 
where people, I just had somebody not too long ago within the last couple of weeks without giving out all information, call me, call me, call me. Somebody that lives in a whole nother state I haven't talked to in years, call me, call me, call me, call me saying, pastor, something's going on with me. Something's inside of me. Something's happening. He, he said, I, I wake up and, 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 and I'm, not, I'm not the same person. I'm a whole different person. Something's going on. I feel the urge to kill somebody. I feel the urge to do this. I feel the urges to do that. This kind of stuff happens in today's world. Now, of course, in this story, in Luke chapter eight, we get the sense that the person's thoughts, attitudes, and behaviors were echoing the demonic spirit that had possessed him. Now, the New Testament contains two Greek words for oppressed. Remember, there's possessed, you guys tracking? And then there's oppressed. These two Greek words for oppressed, one of those is a Greek word called throneo, which means to break into pieces. And this is used to describe Jesus' ministry in the word that appears in Luke chapter 4, 18. It says this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. We read that in Isaiah chapter 61. To preach the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim release to captives and recovery of the sight to the blind, to set free those who are, throw neo, those who are oppressed. The other word for oppressed is the Greek word katadonisio. I know that's a long word which means to exercise power over someone. This word is used in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. It says, you know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, how he went about doing good and healing all who were katanesio, all that were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. As Christians, hear me, as Christians, we cannot be possessed in the sense that demon would control our minds, actions, because when we receive Jesus, our bodies become the house of the Holy Spirit. You guys with me? You are not your own. You are his. As a matter of fact, if I can even say this, this might be pushing the limit, but you know me. I'm possessed by the Holy Spirit. In other words, we are already God's possession, so nothing else can take possession of us. Believers, though, can be oppressed by coming under the control of a demon, of a demonic spirit, and have their lives broken into pieces through a lifestyle of sin, as we mentioned earlier. We can become oppressed because the enemy is out to kill, steal, and destroy. Amen? And if you're a believer here this morning, okay, we have the authority of Christ to say, but it's Christ who lives in me that can actually not just reject, but overpower what the enemy comes and tries to do to me. There's two types of accesses the believer can have. Number one, legal access that demons can have in a believer's life. Legal access. This is when a believer can harbor unforgiveness. They harbor secret sin in your life. Whatever that secret sin is, it's between you and God. A lifestyle of sin, a continuous disobedience to God. These are legal accesses that the enemy has against us, where legally he can come in and bring oppression over your life. If we continue to disobey God, if we continue to live a lifestyle of sin and make choices to that, 
right? If we continue to have a secret sin in our lives, whatever that might be, okay, then the enemy has legal access. Why? Because remember what we said, the supernatural and the natural realm, they don't live by the same laws. So there's legal access. Now there's illegal access. You guys know that the enemy does not play the same ball game as everybody else because he's lawless, okay? So there's illegal access. This comes in the form over your life, and maybe you can pinpoint this, where there's harassment, where there's shame, where there's guilt. All these things, you find yourself, this is illegal access over your life. The enemy's trying to come and bring something upon you. Not by your own secret lifestyle of sin, not because you're disobedient to God, but just because he hates you. Plain and simple. So with both of these things, the Bible says this. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he must flee from you. So the power doesn't come in the resistance. The power comes in the submission to God. You can resist all day long. Get the behind me, devil. But if you're not submitted to God, this get the behind me doesn't work. We must live in a lifestyle, in a posture, in alignment with submission unto him. Now, I want to equip you for our upcoming conference that's coming up here in September. I'm inviting a gentleman by the name of Daniel Adams. I was introduced to Daniel Adams a year ago and his wife, Heather. They have, a minister, they have a ministry called the Supernatural Lifestyle where they travel worldwide, literally worldwide, all over the place. One of the gifts that Daniel carries, a spiritual gift, is deliverance ministry. And I want to, I want to prep your heart that you come and be a part of that weekend. Come on Saturday to be part of the sessions because we're gonna learn and we're gonna equip the church, you guys, okay, to walk in this ministry of deliverance, right? That's the goal, is to walk in this ministry. So we're gonna see some crazy stuff. We might see some activity take place. We might see some supernatural things take place that, that's gonna go against our grain. It's gonna go against our mind. It's gonna go against what we know. But let me encourage you here today that when that happens, submit yourself to God. Just say, God, you know, man, I just, I, maybe I really don't know everything. <laughs> but God, I'm here to give you top priority in my life. You are the king of kings over my life. See, supernatural law supersedes the law of nature. In other words, the unseen realm does not follow the seen realm. Going back to my first experience of casting out this demon when I was 16, I remember seeing his face turn a different color. I remember seeing his mouth full of spit. I remember all the things that happened and it was quite the experience. It was crazy for me. I even had a dream a few weeks ago of me casting out a demon out of somebody that was invited here to the church that came. And I remember hearing this person and I went out to this hallway right over here and I cast out this demon in my dream. And the Lord was so gracious enough that he actually gave me the demon's name. 
in my dream. This kind of stuff is real. See, there's no law when it comes to demons because they are lawless. There's only the authority of Jesus and the authority in you to cast it out because of the cross. Now, moving on, you can play some music back there really lightly. To recap what we have learned so far, when we are working to free people who are demonized, we must first determine why they are bound. Are they captives or are they prisoners? Prisoners are people who have invited demonic oppression into their lives through a lifestyle of sin or unforgiveness. The demons know they have permission to wreak havoc in these prisoner souls until the prisoner repents. You can turn that down a little bit. Until the prisoner repents. So just consider here this morning, I'm not saying that you're demon possessed or oppressed or nothing like that, but what I'm saying is this, if your lifestyle is contrary to that of the word of God and you find things going on in your life that maybe necessarily aren't very godly, maybe it's this, maybe it's that, maybe you're struggling, whatever the case be, consider repenting before the Lord. Coming to him in repentance simply means not just feeling sorry for what you did, it's actually changing your mind about the situation. Now, let's look at freeing captives. This won't take very long. Captives are people who have been captured in battle and held as POWs. These people do not have a lifestyle of sin or their sin issues in their hearts. Instead, they are bound by lies that they have believed. Jesus said, you will know the truth in what? And the truth will make you free. The truth will make you free. The word truth here means reality. It means reality. You will know the reality. And when you come to Jesus, this reality will set you free. So many of us live in a virtual reality. It feels real and looks real, but it's not real. It literally is just an illusion. We give the devil permission to punish us because we think his lies are true. And when we are tormented because of his lies, we need a revelation of the truth, of reality of God, so that we can break the steel bars of deception. Just to let you know that in timing, we're firing up a ministry here who's gonna deal just with this. Who's gonna deal with exposing the lie to discover the truth over your life. It's definitely gonna be a journey to wholeness. So be on the lookout for that, it's coming soon. But let's face it, we all need help to discover the truth, don't we? Come on, who's with me? We all need help to discover the truth of what's been spoken over our lives. I'm gonna tell you just a real quick story about myself that happened to me just a few weeks ago. I've kind of alluded to it, but I haven't really shared it. And I feel comfortable enough to share what I'm about to share with you. I was walking through some self-rejection issues. All my life I've always been, I've been, I've been kind of just told certain things that caused this lie of rejection in my life. Through the process of praying with somebody and the process of, 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 of asking the Holy Spirit to shine the truth 
or expose a lie to deliver the truth, something happened to me spiritually. Maybe you've heard me talk about this a little bit, but something happened to me spiritually where I can honestly tell you here today that I feel free. I know that I'm free, but I feel free. Amen. I feel free from the lie of rejection. See, there's something about knowing, but there's something about knowing right here. And knowing here can only come when we turn this off and we allow Jesus to touch our hearts, the inner parts of our hearts where the enemy has snuck in to cause lies over you. I have a wonderful relationship with my father. I love my dad with all my heart. He's so great. And this rejection, this live rejection all started when I was about eight years old. While I was raking leaves with my dad and he came over and he grabbed the rake from me. Just being a dad, a normal father, he had no ill intent about this, but he came and he grabbed the rake from me. He says, Jake, you're doing it all wrong. I'll do it myself. You'll never get it right. Now, you got to understand, I mean, that's dads in the early 80s, right? That's just how it was. But what I heard was my dad did not approve of me. That was the lie that was spoken to me. Now, through the course of this time where I was having this prayer counseling, I, the person who helped me, we walked through this, simply asked a question that says, now where do you see Jesus in this memory? Where's the truth? And I literally saw Jesus standing over me while I was playing GI Joes on the floor. It, it, the real GI Joes, okay? Yo, Joe. Right? And I was so immersed. I was 11 years old, eight years old at that time. And I was so immersed playing. Me and Samuel have the same gift where we can use our hands for everything. And I became those, those characters while I was playing. That's how involved I was. And I remember Jesus standing over me in my living room, sitting on the floor. It was a brown floor. And I remember sitting over me. I had a plant to the right-hand side of me. And he says, he looked at me and I looked up at Jesus and he just looked right back at me. He says, I love laughing with you, Jacob. He said, I want you to know that I'm proud to be called your father. That was the truth that I needed to combat the lie over me. Now you may say to yourself, well, of course he's proud of you, Jake. Of course he is. Right, of course he's this way. Of course he's that way. Of course, I don't know. It just sounds too simple for you, but let me just tell you, that lie imprisoned my soul. Could I have figured it out eventually? Sure, my brain could have got there sometime. But it changed my heart. So every time the enemy tries to come in the last three, four weeks now, 
Every time the enemy tries to come and bring some kind of circumstance, see, because your healing will be tested. Come on, somebody. Your healing will be tested. The enemy comes and tries to bring something. Oh, look at them people. They're hanging out without you. Oh, look at this. Oh, you're not doing good enough. The enemy tries to come and knock on my door telling me lies again. All I see is Jesus standing with me saying, I'm proud of you, Jake. It's the truth that exposed the lie. Why? Because the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. And lastly, another form of imprisonment is making covenants or contracts with the devil. This isn't done in some seance. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that there's power of life and death within your tongue. And when we use our words unwisely or flippantly, the demonic realm, because they don't live by the natural realm, remember that we established that? That realm can use those words that you say as binding contracts over your life and as binding covenants. That would sound something like this, an example. I'll always be poor. I'll never have enough. Just as flippant as that might be. The devil looks at that and goes, thanks for signing that over your life. Contract. One thing that I always said about myself, because people said this about me, you're always so clumsy. These two feet ain't got no rhythm. I'm never gonna dance again. <laughs> right, I, I remember hearing that growing up all my life. It became a binding contract over me. And it's not just what you say about yourself, it's actually what you say about other people too. Especially your children. The most recent one I heard was, if it wasn't for you, I'd be doing a lot better. Oh my goodness gracious. Doesn't that just sound awful? But in our frustrations, that's the kind of stuff we say. Even as flippant. See, and all that comes from, all those words, they come from in a, a hidden lie in your heart. That's what happens. People who are set free don't talk like that. All those words come from a hidden lie in your heart. Then when we say those things, the enemy comes and says, contract. Now, the cool thing about this is that all we have to do as believers is simply renounce those contracts. And simply come and break the bondage over what we said. The book of James is so true. He says, this tongue right here is like a little small rudder that can direct your ship however you choose. If we simply just say, God, I break this. I renounce this covenant. I renounce this contract. I break it right now in Jesus' name. But to be honest with you, we need people in our lives who will help us understand those things. Besides the lifestyle of sin and believing lies, negative covenants are one of the most common ways that Christians invite demonic oppression into their lives. Anytime we use these words and believe them about us, we step out from under the umbrella of God's protection and become vulnerable to those words. Freedom comes by breaking these covenants through verbally renouncing each of them. When these contracts are destroyed, our enemy loses the legal right to oppress us. In conclusion, God put man in charge of earth. 
Amen? Adam and Eve, y'all in charge. Man messed up. Sin entered this world through one man's disobedience. And it only makes perfect sense that it would take one man's obedience to restore the commission of the earth. Jesus was that one man. He came to earth, lived a spotless life, and died on the cross, not just for our salvation. Hallelujah, praise the Lord, I'm going to heaven because of him, amen? But it was much more than that. He came back to restore the order of how things were supposed to be. He bring restoration, he redeemed it. Then Jesus died, he left the earth, but before he did that, he said this, all authority I have, I give to you. That's what he said. All authority that I have, I give to you. And it's important to know that Jesus said he had all authority. If Jesus has all authority, that would mean that Satan has none. The only authority Satan has is the authority we give him. That's it. We are in Christ. Therefore, we carry his authority into every circumstance, every geographic location, and in every situation that we encounter. And I'll leave you with this verse and then we're gonna pray. Plain and simple, the Bible says this in Ephesians chapter four, verse 27. Do not give the devil an opportunity. <laughs> Just don't give him an opportunity. Don't give him a, foot, a footstep is what it said. Just don't, don't, even, don't even do that. So how do we not do that? Well, we come to Jesus and surrender. So I want us all to bow our head and close our eyes real quick. I'm gonna walk us through an exercise here very briefly, but before I do that, I feel in my heart that I have to do this. Is there anybody here that says, you know what, Pastor Jake, I don't know who Jesus is. Or lately, I've been really struggling with my walk with God. I've been living a lifestyle of sin. I've been living outside of how God designed it for us. And I wanna come back right. I wanna come back to his, not, I wanna come back to his love, come back under his protection. If that's you, will you simply just raise your hand real quick and put it right back down if that's you. Thank you so much, I see it. See your hand, thank you so much. Anybody else? He says, that's me, Pastor, pray for me. Thank you, I see your hand, thank you so much. Praise the Lord. Don't worry, I'm not gonna do anything weird with you. But before we move on and we do this exercise, I would like for us all to pray this, especially if you raise your hand. Mean this with your heart and your life. Just say, Jesus, forgive me my sin. I'm sorry for walking away. And today, I give my life to you. I commit everything that I am to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give those people just a round of applause real quick? I'm gonna take the next two minutes and I'm gonna walk you through something here real quick. So everyone's head bowed and eyes closed. This is very personal between you and God. And when I ask this, don't nudge your spouse next to you. This is for you. <laughs> it's easy to point it out in someone else, but it's really difficult to see the, tr the lie in you. What I want us to do, and I'm gonna pray, what I want us to do is I want us to take a moment and just ask the Holy Spirit 
to expose a lie that we've been believing about ourselves. That might come in a, in a voice, you might hear a whisper, you might even see a picture. But I'm simply just gonna ask you to be sensitive to Jesus right now. So Father, in Jesus' name, I just ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would show us if there's any lie that we've been believing in our hearts, that you would expose that lie right now in Jesus' name. I'll just take about 30 seconds right now to hear what God has to say about that. We have that lie, we have it, we see it, we hear it, we feel it, don't, don't, don't throw it away. I want us to hold it right now. Don't dismiss it as you're just thinking this yourself because you're not, that's God. Now, Father in Jesus' name, I renounce those lies that I see. I give them to you. I submit them to you in the name of Jesus. And right now, God, I ask that you would show me the truth to that lie. Where are you, Father, in this lie? What do you say about what I'm hearing right now? Take about 30 seconds. You're going to listen to God's truth over your life because the truth will set you free. Don't analyze it. Don't think about it too much. This is a heart thing. It's not a mind thing. So Father, right now in Jesus' name, this truth that you've spoken to us, for me, God, you said, I'm proud of you. I'm happy to be with you. That was the truth I needed. And so God, I just ask, whatever truth, Father, that you've spoken to these, to your children, Father, I just pray in Jesus' name, you'd seal it, You'd solidify it and you would hide it in our hearts so we may continue to follow after you. In the name of Jesus.
and nothing can come against you. No shame, no guilt, no heartache, no heartbreak, nothing that's happened in your life can ever hold you down again because you are free. The bondage, the shackles of your life have been released. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Why don't we go ahead and stand? And can you just turn that music down? I want us to sing a quick song as we end this out. I always love ending with worship. And then I'm gonna ask the ministry team to come forward here in just a moment. Maybe you know this song, maybe you don't know this song, but I'm gonna sing it, you sing with me. And I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, oh, my soul, rejoice, take joy, my King. In what you hear, let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. Let's sing it again. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to joy. Take joy, my King, in what you hear. Let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. Father, we love you. We thank you for your spirit that's alive in us, God. We thank you for your salvation. We thank you for the cross and we thank you for freedom. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, amen.